Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. We have another one of our own today, Joe Prestigiacomo, CFP. He is going to help us continue our series that is covering the six things that we tell our clients in a certain age group. And today's episode will go over what Joe tells his clients in their 70s. So I'm going to make the same quick note that I made in the last episode. When these episodes are recorded and released, we email them out to our clients and we also post them on different social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and we send it out to our connections. So the reason I say that is because when we send it to our clients or whoever may be getting them, it does it may not apply to you right now, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in your 30s or 40s and you're getting the 70s episode, you may wonder, Dave, why are you sending this to us? So two reasons. They may apply in the future, right? Or they may apply to somebody you know. And I also think it lets people know and our clients know what we are doing at different points throughout their lives and what we're going to focus on. So hope that makes sense. Back to Joe. Joe has been a financial advisor since January of 2012 and then became the vice president of his team in 2016. In 2018, Joe joined Six Point Financial Partners and became a CFP, a fiduciary, and always put his clients' best interests first. Joe was able to transition his business, more than double his client base and asset center management, all while having four kids in four years. Is that true, Joe? Did you have four kids in yes. four years? Yes. Good for you. Good for your wife. <laughs> Which is part of why I wanted Joe on today's podcast, because having four kids in four years, Joe will be working well into his 70s himself. So he will need this planning and I'm sure he'll take care of it himself. But Joe, how are you? I'm great. What's Great to get a little break from the kids. You know, everybody's quiet for a little while. So pumped <laughs> to record this episode and go over some of the things we tell our clients in our 70s. There we go. Joe is recording this from home. So if you hear any screaming, it's probably from his end or it's Joe running away. So Joe, <laughs> let me, let's start with this. Why is financial planning in somebody's 70s so important in your opinion? Yeah. Well, there's, you know, this is the point where a lot of people are officially retired. Of course, we always have that small group of people who say, you know, I'm going to work until the day I die. So there is stuff in here for those people as well. But for the people who are in their 70s now and they're retired, you've worked, you know, 50 plus years, you've been saving, and now you're not saving anymore. You're out of the accumulation phase, and now we're in the distribution phase. So we want to make sure we're preserving the assets that you've built up, taking them in a you know, proper way where we can minimize taxes and things of that nature. But you know, make sure you don't outlive your money. And if you want to pass that on a specific way to children, grandchildren, charities, we want to make sure that those are all covered and you're following through with that. Yeah, I think for us too, it's the in the 70s, we just want to help people avoid big mistakes, right? They've worked their yeah. whole lives, like you said. We just want to help mm-hmm. people avoid mistakes. And there's a lot of things in the 70s that have changed or that could happen. And we just want to make sure that, again, people are doing it properly. So Joe, why don't we get started on the, because mm-hmm. it's the title of the episode, the six things that you tell your clients that are headed into their 70s that are, or that are in their 70s. And just start off with uh, number one, if you have it. Yeah. Number one is uh, required minimum distributions or RMDs. 
Uh, I wanted to bring this up first because there's been a lot of changes over the past couple of years. So in 2019, the SECURE Act became official in December. So prior to that, at 70 and a half, you had to start taking a required minimum distribution on your uh, retirement accounts. Then last year, we had the pandemic in 2020, and the government came out and said, hey, no RMDs this year. If you, didn't take, if you didn't take it yet, you don't have to. If you did, you could put it back. It got a little dicey. So I would say this is probably the first year where people who are 72 have to start taking their required minimum distributions. So you know, from a numbers perspective, let's just say someone had $750,000 in their retirement accounts. At 72, they have to take out 29,000 roughly by the end of the year. If yeah. that person, if that another couple who's 79 years old with the same amount of money, they need to take about $10,000 more out by the end of the year. The reason we bring this up is if you don't take that money, you're giving half of it to the government. So oh, yeah. if you had to take out for simple math, if you had to take out a $30,000 required minimum distribution and you don't do it, you owe the government a 50% penalty on that money. Now there are some things you could do with your accountant and try to like say, hey, I'm sorry, I forgot. But there's only so many times you could say I'm sorry because the government wants the money. <laughs> well, and that's I was gonna say that the point of RMDs, right, is so that the government can get their money. And one thing you mentioned, Correct. Joe, was retirement accounts. When you say retirement accounts and requirement requ- required minimum distributions, you are talking about pre-tax retirement Correct. accounts. Correct. Yep. So not Roth IRAs, not after-tax savings, it's pre-tax money that you have mm-hmm. not paid any taxes on to date. And this could go back to the beginning of 401ks if you're in your 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Or 403bs or whatever it might be. And you've never paid a dime in taxes. The reason that the IRS and the government have RMDs is so that they can get their money before you pass yep. away. And they have a formula figured out. The reason that they changed the rule from 70 and a half to 72 is because people are living longer. And mm-hmm. people are starting to be basically complain that they're saying, hey, listen, we're living longer. Why are you making me take my money at 70 and a half if I'm going to make it to 100? Yeah. Right. And to build on that, there's that two, there's Secure Act 2.0 that's kind of pending and up in the air. So there's the potential for the new age to go from 72 to 75. So if you think about it, if this bill passes within a couple of years, if you were 70 and a half, now you're now it's 75, they pushed it back four and a half years. So if someone was, you know, 68, 69 in 2019, they just got all that extra time added until they had to take money. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. So Joe, if you're still working, mm-hmm. I have a 401k. I wanted to ask this question, clear it up. I've had this question a few times. If I'm still working. I have a 401k. I'm at a company. I'm 74 years old. I'm contributing to it. Do I have to take RMDs? No. No, not if you're still working. So the reason I bring that up is a lot of people are working a lot longer, right? So you said mm-hmm. you have that subset that, in, and there are ways to plan for that. We recently had a gentleman who did very well for himself and he actually became a bus driver at a school. This is real. <laughs> and because of that, we were able to put his money into the school district's plan, say that he's still working and he doesn't have to take his RMDs. So there are planning opportunities around RMDs that I've always said I'm a loophole kind of person. And that, that was a good one to find. But Joe, if we push it from 70 and a half to 75. Yep. What this might lead into one of your other points. I don't want to jump the gun here, but what is what could you do in that time period that might help people with planning then? Yeah. So I mean that leads kind of into the next point for uh, number two, Roth conversions. So 
you know, if you are in your 70s now, you've seen the way the tax brackets have changed over time and, you know, how rates were a lot higher 30 years ago. So roughly, if you're looking back in 1991, there's three tax brackets, the 15, the 28, and the 31. If you were making $86,000 married filing jointly, you were in the 31% bracket. And with inflation, those dollars, you're, you double, essentially double the 86,000. It's 164,000, which means you're topping out the 22% bracket today. So rates are, they seem high still because everybody, you know, is paying tax and no one wants to pay it, but they're historically low. And with the government spending, you know, with the stimulus spending that we've had over the past year, year and a half, there's only going to be one way for the government to kind of recoup that money, and that's raising taxes. So if you look at it now, if you don't want to, you don't have to take that required minimum distribution. Let's this is even applies to even the last episode, I think it was talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, you could start doing what's called the Roth conversion. So we can start taking chunks of money out of your IRA, converting it to a Roth and paying lower taxes on it today. And then we don't have to take that RMD in the future. Right. And I'm pretty sure Alex went pretty in depth with it last episode, but that is something you could still do in your 70s going forward. Especially if they push it back to age 75 before you take an RMD, it gives us several more years. And hopefully if the tax brackets stay low, it's the right timing. When we do that, we always want to make sure that we don't jump into that next tax bracket. But Joe, you did say there's only one way the government can recapture those dollars. There is another way. They could raise admission to national parks Meaning like you could, instead of paying $35 to get into the Grand Canyon, you could spend like $100,000 to get into the Grand Canyon. So there are other you, ways, Joe. You, you could do that. but I'm, I guess I told you I'm a loop, loophole guy, right? Buy a plane ticket and fly over it, I guess. I don't know. That's, yeah. Maybe that's a cheaper way to do it than if it's $100,000. <laughs> All right. So far, Joe, we have RMDs. We have Roth conversions. What is the third thing that you would tell somebody? That- we talked a little bit about it in the beginning, risk. The average age of the people are living a lot longer today. So I think the mortality tables show it's, you know, in the mid eighties is where people are, you know, living to this day, but you see a lot of people in their nineties and even a hundred. So a lot of people in their seventies, you know, you took all this risk when you were accumulating your assets, you want to kind of hunker down and just say, look, you know, put me in like cash or very conservative bonds. And that's, probably not the best idea for looking at it today. Bonds right now, you're probably not making much of anything. And with inflation, you know, pushing 5% probably by the end of this year, I mean, you're actually losing money. So if you're going to be living another 15, 20, 30 plus years, you can't shut it down and say, look, I, I want no risk. Just I want it in cash and I'll just take it when I need it. Your money's not working for you and you don't want to run out of money. You don't want to get towards the end of your life, you've worked so hard and maybe you're in your nineties now and you have nothing left. I mean, you still want to, there's a lot of people who still have, you know, a lot of pride. They want to live on their own. They want to do things. So if you still have your money and it's working for you and it's growing, at least you still have a little bit of control. And that's what we're, we talk to a lot of people in their seventies about is not shutting it down and still taking a little bit of risk. Yeah. And it's all, what is the money for, right? So and yeah. Alex talked about this in the last episode, different buckets of money, short-term, mm-hmm. medium, long-term money. So I wanted to, I just looked this up, Joe, where you were talking about the cost of um, inflation and price of things, right? So a gallon of milk in 1950, you ready for this was 83 cents. And there's a reason I'm telling you these numbers. And then I fast forward in 1995, it was $2.52. Today, it's $3.54. So 
The reason I bring that up is if you're in your 70s, you were born. When you were born, milk was 83 Mm -hmm. cents. If you are 70 and you're planning on another 25 years, like Joe said about caring about your money, the cost of milk from 1995 to today is up 72%. So what Joe is saying, I think, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, is that if your money is in an account earning 1% or less, and inflation, a gallon of milk, for example, is up 72%, you are really losing money. And Mm -hmm. this year, Joe said that inflation's up by, on average, especially in the last few months here, and we're recording this in September, is it's been up over 5% per month. And if you're sitting on a large asset earning 0.5%, you're losing money. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to point that out. I thought it was interesting to look up the uh, price of a gallon of milk, which is partly what they calculate inflation on. So oh yeah, for sure. All right, Joe, what do we have for the next point? Number four. So number four is consolidation. And that can mean a a lot of stuff. We're not talking about cleaning out your basement, which maybe you should do. There's a lot of pack rats out there. You know, when from an investment standpoint, let's just say we'll go back to that first point of the person who's in their early 70s and they have 750,000 saved. Let's just say they have an IRA and a 401k. So two separate accounts, but they're both pre-tax, two separate registrations. You need to take a well, an RMD from both accounts. So if your RMD, you know, was 30,000, you took 30,000 out of the IRA, there's a slight issue with that. You'd actually have to take 15 and 15. You'd, ha- you'd have to split it and take it out of both accounts. So it makes it a little bit easier if you're retired, you know, you have an IRA, but you have an old 401k or 403b, whatever it may be, to consolidate those accounts, put them together. So you can obviously there's you know one less thing you have to track, but then also, your RMD is coming right out of that IRA, and then it's easier to manage from a tax perspective as well. So we try to do a little cleanup for clients because you know there's maybe not as much for people in their 70s now because there's probably a lot of people who worked at one place and then they retired. It's not as common as people today in their 30s and 40s who've probably had four or five different places they've worked at, and they may have four or five 401ks. But we've I've seen some people in their 70s who had two or three. 401ks floating out there with an IRA. So it is out there. It does happen. Um, it's just maybe not as common, but it's still something you should do to make sure you are satisfying that requirement and not getting a surprise from the government. Joe, that's a great point. Not a lot of people talk about it. The My record is 17 retirement accounts, by the way. No one has beaten Ooh, that yet. So I, I almost say that for someone in checking accounts, they were, I think it was about 12 <laughs> to 13, they had 12 to 13 checking accounts. I was like, what are you doing? One was yeah. for vacation, one yeah. was for like a new car. And I was like, that's a lot of stuff. That's, well, people at the bank must like, they probably didn't like you every time they saw you coming in and open another one. So, <laughs> Or they did like it because maybe they get credit for it or something. The, uh, maybe. But as far as the retirement accounts go, just to reiterate what Joe said is if, if you have an IRA with 500,000 you have a 401k with 500,000 and you think you're taking your RMD and you're taking it just out of one of those, you're going to have to pay a 50% penalty on what you were supposed to take out of the other one. Most people just don't want to deal with that unless there's some crazy reason. They're, they're always, again, there's always loopholes, but there may be some reason to have separate yep. accounts. The point is you just need to track it and consolidate where you can and where it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I like the consolidation. And for the person with the 12 to 13 checking accounts, you could probably help them consolidate into, <laughs> maybe they like it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but okay, that was number four. What do you have? Number five, we need to review your will and healthcare proxy. And this is 
haven't noticed I'm building off of a lot of previous episodes. Episode 14, we had uh, Jerry Antetomaso on here talking about estate planning. And he discussed reviewing documents every few years. I think the number was five. I'm pretty sure he said, am I right on that day? Five? Okay. So we see a lot of the time people in their 70s, you maybe set up your will, healthcare proxy, we started your family. Maybe you reviewed it as your kids went to college, but now it's been 20, 30 years and now you're a grandparent. Maybe you haven't reviewed it since you had children, so it's been 40, 50 years. There, there could be a lot of things that have changed over that time period. And I'm almost positive there are things that have changed <laughs> in 40, 50 years. And I'm not, I mean, this is kind of like a joke, but like the person who, the attorney helped you write that probably isn't practicing anymore. So yep. do you even have a copy of it? Or where do you that, get that, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> or where do you get it? Or can you even yeah. read the copy because it's so old, it's, you know, it might be <laughs> faded. So it's always good to update these and review them because again, it's your wishes and you know what you wanted maybe at 25 or 30 years old is different than what you want today at 70, 75 years old. Maybe you mm-hmm. want more stuff to go to your grandchildren now than you did. Obviously, you weren't thinking about grandchildren when you were just having kids. So it's always good to review those and always have a copy on file that is up to date. Yeah, Joe, I would add one thing here. My my question would always be the same. And this is a lot for any financial planning mm-hmm. stuff, right? It could be wills, could be investments, could be insurances. But is your will, healthcare proxy, trust, power of attorney still set up the way that you want would want it to be today? If the answer is yes, that's the way I want it to be today, then you're good. And what Jerry said, again, in episode 14 was every five years, you should review it proactively. But if something changes, you should review it at that moment when it does change. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is many times in your 70s, your adult children are in the will or they're the beneficiaries on your accounts or your insurance. What if their situation has changed? Mm -hmm. I run into this a lot, Joe. What if they won the lottery? What if they don't want to inherit certain types of money? And Alex got into this a little bit in the last episode. Or what if they have tax issues? Yeah. What if, what if they owe the IRS money and they just inherited? I've had this happen. They inherit a couple hundred thousand dollars and it's gone. We probably should have changed that beneficiary. What if there's a bankruptcy? What if they are divorced and you need to make sure that your grandkids basically don't serve as a medium for an ex-in-law to get your money? True. Right. Yep. So my point is, there are still reasons to continue continuously and systematically review these documents, but always when a life change happens, but not just for yourself, but think about your beneficiaries and the people you're willing that money to. And, and we'll just, we need to stay on top of it. So great point, Joe. I think we're on to number six. This might be the fastest six points episode out of all the age groups that we've had, Joe, but we're, we're doing all right. So what do you have for number six? So this last one is something that our group has definitely implemented. And, you know, when we started it, we we got a lot of positive reviews from it. And I, I, we did it to on our end in case something happened and we needed to have this. But the beneficiary meeting is oh, a yeah. very big and crucial point of, you know, what you should do in your 70s. So a few years ago, we started having conversations with clients as they're getting older in their 60s and 70s and say, hey, we understand your spouse is your primary beneficiary, but your children are your contingents. If anything happened to the two of you, do your children even know? Because that generation was a lot different. Because if you think about it, you know, people in their 70s now, the husband usually went to work majority of the time and the wife was a homemaker and taking care of the children. And you really didn't talk about finances. You just, you went to work nine to five, 
your you know wife put the kids on the bus, made their lunches, did all that mm-hmm. stuff. But now obviously things have changed a little bit, but we're having these conversations now with the husband and wife. The spouse is now getting involved and seeing what's going on, but the children have no idea. And we bring this up so the children could A, put a name with the face and so can we. So we know who the children are. The children know who we are. So if anything happens, we could start to have those conversations. Obviously, if we have permission to talk to them a little um, yeah. more openly, but we run this meeting one of two ways. We can we usually do it where we'll meet with the parents, we'll go over their account, and like halfway through, the children will come in and we'll just vaguely discuss where everything is and won't really get into too much detail because the parents aren't comfortable yet, but they know we need to have these conversations. Or the other way, the parents will say, look, bring the kids right in. I want them to know where everything is. I want them to know what's going on. So let's just run a whole review meeting with them and have that quote unquote meet and greet. So everybody's on the same page. I I love doing this just because we're meeting more people, but B, it's I think it takes a lot of pressure off of our clients because then they know, hey, when I go, my children know how to take care of you know everything for my spouse or my children will know who Joe is or who Dave or Alex is or Marshall, whoever it is in our group, they know who to call. They're comfortable with them. And I know that they'll be taken care of. So I think this is the sixth point we're going to talk about, but it could be one of the most important points from a planning perspective for our clients. Yeah, definitely. It's a beneficiary meeting. So I've recently started, when I say recently, the last few years, once a year, just sending out a video to our clients for them to forward on to their children. And it's, hey, <laughs> the video is literally this, Joe. Hey, Joe, this is Dave. I just wanted to check in and say hello. Please forward this on to your kids. And I'd say, if you're getting this video, it is because we work with one or both of your parents on their financial planning. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do, one, again, one, one of two things, right? Number one, I wanted you to have a face with the name in case something ever happens to them. Now you know who we are and you have our contact information. Number two, if you need help with your own stuff, take a look at what we have, listen to the podcast and, and reach out anytime if you have any questions. And people love it. And again, it, it, when you have a client for a very long time, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. It's the, the kids that were 10 years old are now 30 years old. And yeah. They, they need their own help with this stuff. Or the kids that were 40 are now 60 and think about retiring mm-hmm. themselves. So beneficiary meeting is uh, very important. And it also helps keep people very organized if they want to. I also, correct, and you correct. know this, Joe, yeah, we have several people that <laughs> maybe they have one, one grown child they want involved and not another. There's also, you guys, everybody, there's family situations that are or, all or very different. No one involved, just the spouse. Or no one. And, or no one, yeah. yeah when I, and they're like, hey, when I go. Let them figure it out. Okay. Hey, it's yeah. your call. Let them figure it out. Or, or I have several clients with their beneficiaries are 100% charities. So yeah. it, it could be any situation. But the beneficiary meeting, if it makes sense, is a, is a big one. And it really helps, like Joe said, people feel better. So Joe, give me a quick recap of the six things that we just went over. And then yep. we'll wrap this up. So the six things we discussed, number one, RMDs or required minimum distributions. Number two was Roth conversions. Three was the amount of risk you're taking inside of your investment accounts. Four was consolidating those investment accounts so you don't have any issues with the government if you're not taking an RMD from both or three, four, five accounts, whatever it is. 17. Uh, 17. (laughs) (laughs) Five was reviewing your will, healthcare proxy, all your legal documents to make sure those are set the way you want them. And 
There's been no major changes. And the last one, and my favorite one, the beneficiary meeting. I love it, Joe. So this, actually, we're going to stop at the 70s, Joe. We're not going to get into the 80s because I think if any, if people have listened all the way through from the 20s and 30s, all the way up through the 70s, they're going to notice a lot of common themes, common trends. And the biggest one I would say is if this stuff is not handled for you, or you haven't done all of these things, it's it's just basically reviewing at the right time, systematically reviewing, going over this with people that know what they're doing and advisors that know what they're doing. And, they, and any good advisor can help you with all of these things. And it's just... And that's why I wanted to do the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Is it, it does change slightly, but the common themes and trends, again, are the same. So, Joe, if our guests want to get a hold of you, or our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Without Maybe without your last name. <laughs> <laughs> why? I can't just have them hit the keyboard at 6.fp.com. How, how many just, letters are in your last name, Joe? 13. Yeah, we're not doing that. So what's the faster way to get a hold of Joe? Uh, probably, <laughs> probably going to the website that we have to pay extra money for, for my last name to be listed. That's just a joke. If you just go to the website, click on my profile, my email is right there. And my number, that's the easiest way to get a hold of right on the website of www.6pointfp.com. Yeah. And Joe's also on LinkedIn at Joe Presta Giacomo. I know, we, but if you start typing that in, it's the only one that'll come up. So Joe, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. We didn't hear any screaming kids. I can't believe it. I think we... This is the right time to do a podcast at the Preston Giacomo household. Hey, it worked. It worked out. And it worked. So, uh, Joe, thanks again. And for now, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.